much information, so many tips, tricks, stories that I would have never imagined having. Darian is one of the most incredible, well-rounded individuals I have ever met. She left me with so much material that I am beyond excited to be sharing. I think that slowly everyone of my guests is getting more comfortable with what I am wanting out of it and what I will be asking of them. And of course, Darian herself is a podcaster, so she was honestly quite comfortable sharing every aspect of her life, which I'm really thankful for. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. I'm excited for the feedback. And of course, if you guys haven't already, follow the podcast. Today's sponsor is Brighton Smile, B-R-Y-T-N Smile. Use code the year of hours 25 for 25% at checkout. You guys know the spiel. They are cruelty-free and just such an ethically sourced company that I am honored to have as a sponsor. So again, that's the year of ours 25 for 25% off at discount. Going into this episode, I have said it once and I'll say it again, but I really hope that each and every one of you go into it with an open mind, an open heart, open arms, open ears, all of the above, because Darian not only put her own life experiences on the line, but she is very vulnerable. She is very open about her life decisions and the things that she's experienced. So it really takes a lot for an individual to put themselves on the line. So I'm, I'm just really excited. I Editing this episode, I just I couldn't help but smile ear to ear knowing that it's good stuff. So without further ado, welcome to the year of ours. We're here with Darian. Darian, introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? My name is Darian DeBrule. I don't know what else you want me to say about myself right now, but... Literally tell us anything and everything. Like, if you were to die tomorrow, how are people going to remember you? I hope people remember me as, like, a very outspoken individual. Like, I just told Gabby, like, I'm literally the most open person, so I talk about everything and anything. I don't really have a filter, for better or for worse. Um, I'm a student right now. I go to the University of Utah. I major in poli-sci, communications, and economics. I want to be a news anchor and then eventually a U.S. senator because I really hope to represent people that don't feel like they have a voice in politics because I want to be that voice. I know I'm very outspoken and I know I can help people. So You are seriously <laughs> incredible. So you and I have heard of each other through the grapevine. <laughs> yeah, but we've never crossed paths until now. Never. <laughs> and I, I mean, we just had dinner and I sat down and I'm like, you are the coolest person. Oh, thank you. You have all these experiences and it, good experiences, experiences yeah. that you want to put to good use. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think if anyone were look, looking up to you, it should be people who don't feel like they have a voice need to look at someone like you and know that they're not alone, yeah. that they do have a voice and that they can thank share you. their message. 
I think everyone's biggest question right now is how the hell do you do it all? So you've explained it to me and it makes sense, but the world doesn't know that. Uh, how do you do it? I don't know. Here's the thing about me is I feel like social media sees one side of me and people in person see a completely different side. Like I feel like so on my social media, they're like, oh my gosh, like how does she afford all this stuff? How does she go all these places? How does she know all these people? And then when people actually talk to me, they're like, oh wait, like she's actually super down to earth and like super, super smart. And that's like a trait about myself that I never want to lose. Like I never want to lose my ability to like adapt in situations and to like be so like multifaceted because I really do think it's beneficial. I feel like a lot of times people think that being smart and having fun are mutually exclusive and they're not. You can definitely be smart and also know how to have fun. And like, I always tell people that like, just because you catch me on the night out doesn't mean I'm not going to be studying in the morning. But I really, I've just been super, super lucky. And I don't know if people believe in like God or the universe or the universe, but I really just feel like I've been in all the right places at the right time to like make stuff happen and like I was telling you like I do happen to have like friends that are in higher places or like do have like more money than the average person who are like willing to like help me like have these experiences but I also do like a lot of work myself like I put in a lot of work and I like to spend my money more on experiences than things like granted I love a good outfit I love a good piece of jewelry (laughs) but I really do love spending money on experiences because I think that's what like molds you as a person is like the more people you meet the more experiences you have the more places you go the more open you are to the world and the more you see what's actually out there and the more you realize who you want to be like if you're interacting with people you're like oh I like that about that person I want to emulate that and yeah it's just yeah no I totally (laughs) agree but people think they can't have these experiences being 20 years old. <laughs> you can, trust me. Everybody's like, I started I started traveling and doing all this stuff when I was 18. And, like, granted, I do know I'm in a very privileged position. Like, I don't have a lot of bills. So I don't have to worry about, like, oh, how am I going to make my rent payment or how am I going to do this? Like, I really can't put my money towards traveling. But... It's not as glamorous as it seems. Like, I've taken long flights just to get somewhere for really cheap. And, like, my biggest tip to everybody is if you want to find cheap flights. I don't know if you use Google Flights. Yes, I do. I love Google Flights. And a lot of people don't know about it. They just go straight to the airline. Like, I can never. (laughs) It's so expensive. It literally alerts me. So, when I, about a a year ago, I was going to California. And I had it on Google Flights. And Mm -hmm. I found a $200 trip to California. Yeah. Round trip. Yeah. And I... I love Google Flights, especially if you don't have an exact date you're trying to go because you can just put in the destination and then you can look at all the flight prices for like weeks or months. And like, you know this, but maybe other people don't. And it's a really great way to find cheap flights. Another flight hack that I've been using recently is sometimes if you're trying to fly, like if I was trying to fly to Florida for something, um, sometimes if you get like a connection flight, it's expensive. But if you fly separately, like if you buy a completely different flight and I fly from like Utah to Las Vegas because it's really cheap to fly places out of Vegas if I like buy a flight on Delta from Utah to Vegas for $40 round trip then I'll buy a different ticket from Vegas to Florida and it's a lot cheaper than like if I were to fly Delta all the way through and get those connecting flights get a connection I never knew that no yeah I do that I just did that I just bought a ticket to Georgia and I'm flying to Denver and then from Denver to Georgia instead of like flying straight to Georgia and having like a connection in Denver where it usually is (laughs) And yes, it could be, what, an extra three, four hours? Yeah, but it's worth it when you're saving, like, $100 or so because that's more money you can put towards your trip. And, like, also, I don't know why I'm just giving all these tips on how to travel for cheap right now. I'm just trying to You guys better out. not take all those damn... <laughs> Facts. All the, like... the airlines are going to start taxing for that now. And um, there's, we're, this episode's seriously going to get taken down. They're going to be like, 
We're gonna no, be like, no. That was supposed to be. That yeah, was supposed to that say was a supposed secret. Supposed to say a secret. Um, also with Airbnbs, like I told you, like I'm super lucky. I have a lot of friends in different places, so I can usually stay there for free, or like I'll be with um somebody that's willing to pay for an Airbnb. But there are really cheap Airbnbs. Like I don't know how comfortable people are with this, but like I've stayed in like a private room Airbnb where it's like you don't have the whole house, but really when you're on vacation, all you need is a little room because you're out doing stuff. So like all I need is a room and a bathroom to get ready, and like I'm good. And like you can find them for like fifty dollars a night if you're really trying to like be cheap and really it's just all about being flexible if you want to have experiences you want to have adventures and you want to live like a quote-unquote glamorous lifestyle you have to be willing to be adaptable and like that's something I also admire about myself is I'm really not that picky I'm not like oh I need to stay in like a five-star resort if it's not five-star I'm not going I'm like no I'll stay wherever there's a bed as long as I'm having cool experiences in the day and at night I'm good (laughs) but do you ever feel unsafe as a woman traveling um honestly no And I feel like that's weird to say because a lot of people are like, oh, I feel unsafe. But I also feel like I'm very street smart. Like, I, like, I have some expensive jewelry, expensive clothes. Like, I would never wear that, like, in the airport or, like, um, when I'm first arriving in a destination. Just because you never know who's following you. You never know any of that type of stuff. So I'm super careful about that because, like, you hear a lot of stories about people being robbed And you definitely have to, like, look out for that. And it's also being aware of where you are. Before I go to an area, I always look up the area. And I'm like, okay, where are, like, the shadier spots? Granted, I'm usually traveling with people. Or, like, I'm out there seeing somebody that's from there. So they're like, oh, no, you don't want to go to those spots. Like, you don't want to do that. I also always carry around a taser. A lot of people don't know that. I have a taser in my car. And I usually carry a taser when I travel. I don't even think my friends know that. But I (gasps) always have a taser. (laughs) But... At that point, you feel safe. Um, God forbid something were to happen. You have mm-hmm. something to present as yeah, self-defense. Exactly. And like I like I told you earlier, um, usually if I'm traveling somewhere, I'm going to see somebody or like I have plans there. So I usually know what I'm going to be doing. I know the people I'm going to be around. But also another thing is, is I don't drink or smoke. And I've gone with friends and, like, they want to get lit. And, like, that's totally fine. But me being sober, I feel like I can keep us all safe. Because I'm like, okay, I know that I'm in the right mind to, like, make sure that you're good. Make sure I'm good. And make sure that, like, I'm taking care of my group. Like I like I said, um, whenever I travel with people, it's, like, my squad. Like, I don't care who else we meet, who else we're there for. Whoever I came with, I'm going home with. So it's, like, I don't know. I never want to put my friends in a bad position. I never want to put myself in a bad position. Like, I'm always making sure that my circle is good. That's, like, my number one priority on trips is being safe. (laughs) Right. Well, and you don't want to go on a trip and not feel safe Mm -hmm. or have someone that doesn't have a good time because they were Mm -hmm. put in an uncomfortable Uncomfortable situation. Yeah, you don't want that. (laughs) So as far as hotels go, do you prefer hotel? What's cheaper, hotels or Airbnb? It honestly just depends on where you're going. Um, I've stayed in both. They both have their pros and cons. Um, Hotels, if they have a breakfast, like pre-COVID, it was kind of nice because it's like, okay, at least I know I can go down there for breakfast. The only thing about hotels is that they usually charge a deposit. So like you're, will have money on your card on hold for the stay, which is fine if you have the extra funds. But if you're like, no, I'm trying to scrape by on this trip, then you might want to do an Airbnb because you've already paid it all up front. There's not going to be any extra funds. And like, it's different. If I'm with a big group, definitely Airbnb. Cause it's like, you can all be in the same house. You can all cook your own food. Like you can do your own thing. Um, if I'm just with one other person, sometimes a hotel is just easier and it's cheaper sometimes. So it really just depends on where I'm going and who I'm with. What are your thoughts on buying food at a grocery store, wherever you're staying and then cooking it? Very smart. It's so smart. Like really when you think about a vacation, if you've paid for your flight in advance, you've usually paid for your room in advance. 
what do you spending most of your money on? Food. And, like, food, especially in, like, travel destinations, is expensive. Like, in Hawaii, I, I my food budget was, like, $350. I easily spent, like, $500 on food. It's expensive to eat there. It's expensive to buy groceries there, too. But in most places, if you're just going to, like, California or something, it's so much cheaper to buy groceries and, like, cook your own food and then go out for a couple meals versus, like, going out for every single meal. I think when people go out, they want the full experience, like Mm -hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner out, Mm -hmm. and on top of that, they want to be doing all these extravagant things, but you can't... You can't do it all sometimes. (laughs) You can't. You can't. And at the end of the day, I'm sure that you remember the experiences more than you remember the food that you Yeah, eat. also this sounds really weird, but ever since I got pneumonia my junior year of high school, I don't really have an appetite. So, like, I will only really eat dinner. So, I'm lucky enough, like, I'll eat a snack in the morning, and then I'll usually go out for dinners. Like, I'll usually have one day where I go out for breakfast, and then one day I go out for dinner, and, like... I always have one nice dinner on the trip. I don't know why I do that, but... You have to. <laughs> you have to. Have, it's like a bougie yes, thing. And you can dress up, and you can take pictures, and you're out to eat somewhere really nice. If you ever go to Los Angeles, Catalay is my favorite restaurant in the world. It's so good. <laughs> it's expensive. But if you say, okay, I have X amount of money, and I'm going to spend it there... Yeah. Also, that's a really good thing that you bring up, is making a budget. I always have a budget. Like, well, like I said, I'm a really, really, really big planner. So, like, I... Basically plan out the itinerary every day. I leave room for, like, adjustments, but I usually try to have one activity a day and one, like, food place a day. But if I have the activity and have a food place, I pretty much know about how much I'm going to be spending. And then I give, like, some wiggle room just in case something happens or if I want to, like, go shopping. But having a budget is so essential to traveling because then you know what you can and can't afford. So if you're, like, out and you're, like, oh, my gosh, I really want this. It's, like, no, look at your budget. Like, can you really afford this or should you, like, save it for, like, an experience or something else? So when you go places, let's say LA, what are some experiences? This is also hard because we're in COVID, so it's okay. Yeah, it's hard because COVID, but hopefully by the end of the year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, okay, I'm not gonna lie. I get really lucky, and I don't really pay for a lot of experiences I have because I get invited places. But if you can ever do like a yacht boat ride in Long Beach, I would do it. You can actually get them for pretty cheap. I did a cheap one one time, and I also went with people one time. Um, I love Melrose Trading Post. So yes, fun! It's so, so fun. fun! I love it there. And it's cheap. It's only like $5 to get in, and then you can go shopping, and like they have the coolest stuff. Like And the coolest people are there, too. So I went there pre-COVID. Literally a year ago, I was in California, mm-hmm. and the day I flew home was the day before we went into quarantine. Really? Oh, yeah, yes. you're so lucky. You got, like, one little last trip. One last trip before I came. But everyone, my my best friend was living out there in Newport, and mm-hmm. she kept raving about it. Melrose, Melrose. Mm-hmm. It's a fun thing to do if you're broke as fuck. Yep. I was like, great. I literally s- saved all the money I had, and I spent yep. it on California. Yep. And it was. It was it, it was almost like an antiques. Mm-hmm. For the entire block. No, it's so cool. And also, Melrose is just a really cool area in general. There's a cafe by Melrose Training Post. It's called Carrera Cafe. They can literally print any photo or anything onto the foam of your latte. So my friend got her boyfriend's face on her latte. It was so cool. Like, it's just a really cool place. Like, and they had, like, the best donut. had, like, a flower on it, like, an edible flower. It's it's awesome. I'm trying to think what else there is in California. Oh, Griffith's Observatory. So and, like, good. you can hike the Hollywood sign. I loved that hike, and it's so pretty there, and you get, like, a view of, like, both of, like... I said there's two cities in Los Angeles, because there's, like, two main parts where there's, like, skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. You can get a view of all of that, and that's free, so... Right. Yeah. You just came back from Miami. I did. about that trip. <laughs> you live such a... 
an amazing experience. I was living vicariously through you. I'm not going to lie. Miami was so crazy. And I'm praying to God the person who flew us out there is not going to listen to this podcast. He won't. He's dumb. He wouldn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> but, like, so me and my friend, he actually didn't invite my friend. He didn't invite Marin. I was like, I don't feel comfortable going to Miami with a bunch of people I don't know. So I'm going to invite Marin. And being honest, like, I thought it was just going to be me and her going out there, like, meeting his friends. When we got there, there was, like, eight other girls, which is crazy. Like, everybody was really cool. I'm a girl's girl. Actually, I'm just a chill girl. Like, I don't really care. Like, I'm not going to, like, cause beef with you. Like, I'm just here to have a good time. If you're here to have a good time, we're all on the same page and we're going to vibe. But I felt like it was low-key The Bachelor. <laughs> He was like, you're great for me, and, like, you have potential, but yes, exactly. you don't get the rose. Exactly. But, like, for me, I, I'm just his friend. So I wasn't really there, like, trying to be with him or trying to get with him. But I know the other girls were. So it was kind of, like, a weird dynamic at first because it's like, okay, like, who's his, like, who's getting the first rose? Who's getting the first impression rose? Like, who's his main girl on this trip? And... It honestly was so fun, though. Like, there's girls from all over the place. There's girls from Houston, girls from L.A., girls from Fresno, girls from, like, Seattle, Georgia, like, everywhere. So it was, like, a whole, like, hodgepodge of people. And it was actually really cool to, like, meet all those different people. And, like, we met, um, he had some of his teammates out there. And, like, I just feel like a lot of people, they, like, look at the people that we hang out with and they're like, oh, my gosh, like, those guys are so cool. Like, I wish I could hang out with them. Or, like, they're, like, famous. But, like, they're literally just people. Like, at the end of the day, like, everybody's just people and everybody has a story to tell. And, like, if you look past, like, the money and, like, them being well-known, they're really just regular guys and that they're all super cool. And, like, that's something for me is people are like, oh, my gosh, do you get starstruck? And I'm like, no, because, like, they're no better than I am. They're no less than I am. Everybody's equal. Like, yes, like I said, they may have more money than me. They might know more people might know who they are. They might be more athletic than me. But at the end of the day, like, we all have something to offer and, like, I can learn from them and they can learn from me. And it... At the end of the day, I will rave about this until the cows come home. Networking is mm-hmm. so important. Yeah. It's all about who you know. It's not about how much money you make. Yeah. I mean, obviously, money does help. Yeah. But it's about who do you know at the end of the day. 95% of my life experiences have been because of the people I know. Exactly. And, like, that's how it is for my trips. It's just, like, also, I'd say how I get so lucky with these trips is low-key I speak stuff into existence. Like, it's actually crazy. Before I went to Miami, I had a dream that we met, that I met um, someone that plays in the NFL. It was like, it was one of those dreams that you're like, whoa, was I real or not? And I met him after a party. In Miami, I literally met him after a party. Like, it was so weird. Like, I was like, oh my gosh. But the fact that like, not that I was manifesting this person in particular, because I don't really care that much about him. But I just go into situations being like, this is going to be the best trip of my life. Like, we're going to have so much fun. We're going to have so many cool experiences. And if you say that stuff, like, this sounds cheesy, but like, you genuinely like, attract it. And this also might sound like a privileged statement, but I feel like I attract money into my life because... I don't really worry about money. Like, if I spend it, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to spend this because I'm going to get it back. Like, money comes to me. It, like, it's attracted to me. I'm going to get it back. And I feel like that's what, like, makes it flow to me because I think that when you're so worried about something, you're giving it negative energy. And so it can't come to you because your negative energy is blocking it. When you think positively about something, like, oh, like, um, I know I'm going to spend this money right now, but, like, it's going to come back. Like, I'm going to make it back. Then, like, your brain is going to attract ways to, like, make that money back. I don't know. That all sounds kind of weird, but, like, I genuinely do believe in the law of attraction, especially for money. <laughs> I was just going to say that. That is literally how the law of attraction mm-hmm. works. That's why this week I – or last week I highlighted having a vision board, and I highlight mm-hmm. specific things, but those specific things I – 
speak in, I speak about those things as if I already have them. Yes, exactly. And like, I just feel like it's a good idea to have a vision for the things you want in life and where you want your life to go, because then you will find that you'll be drawn towards experiences and things that emulate what you want out of life. Would you say that you have this, you were, you were specifically talking about trips, but do you have this perspective on life? Yes. <laughs> okay, the thing about me is I know a lot of things. Like, I can consciously say all this things about law of attraction, but I still really do struggle to stay positive when I'm not on trips. That's kind of why I travel so much is it's like an escape for me, and I feel like I can live, like, whatever the life I want to live, and then when I come home, it's harder for me to keep, like, these same mindsets about things just because Utah's just a very draining place for me, which is why I'm trying to move out. But I do feel like people do have places that are more draining and places that they feel more, like, empowered, and Utah's just draining for me. But it's something that I really do try and think about in my day-to-day life. Like, I want to move to Atlanta, so I think about Atlanta in a positive light. I'm like, yeah, when I move to Atlanta, I'm moving to Atlanta. Like, I try to say those things so that the universe, it, like, attracts to me. Yes, of course. Now, as far as trips go, do you have places that you're like, oh, I want to go here, I want to go here, I want to go here? Or is it just like that law of attraction <laughs> brings that place to you? It's both. Like like I said last, I told you, like last week, my friend literally texted me and was like, hey, do you want to come to Texas? And I was like, I have nothing else going on. I guess I'll go to Texas. Um, but sometimes like I want to go to Mexico. So it's like, I'm going to actively pursue a way to get to Mexico. Which so we are getting both. to Mexico. Yes, we are getting to Mexico. If it's, anybody wants to come, let's know. <laughs> it's right here. It's on air that way. Yeah, exactly. We just spoke it into the universe and now it has to happen because other people know about it. <laughs> we are going into, we are going to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So there's stuff like that. Like there's obviously places I want to go. Um, I want a destination wedding. So I don't know where yet, but once I figure it out, I'm going to obviously plan that. But for the most part, I just travel wherever, like, an opportunity presents itself. If somebody's like, hey, come here, or hey, we're doing this, come here, then I'm like, okay, let's go. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Meet there. Yeah, exactly. That's how I am, though. But, like, I feel like that's also part of my personality is I'm super, even though I plan a lot, I'm also super go with the flow. Like, if somebody tells me something and I'm down, I'm like, okay, let's make it happen. Like, I make things happen. I'm not the type to just be like yeah, let's do it, and then never follow up or never make a plan. Like, once somebody says something to me, I'm like, oh, if you're serious, like, we're making it happen. Like, what's the plan? How are we getting there? Like, what is the route from point A to point B? I don't like, like, having a point B, but not having any method of how to get there. Like, I don't think that's how you go through life. That's not how you make things happen. Like, you need a plan or at least, like, an outline. Maybe not exactly specific, but, like, an outline of, like, hey, okay, this is the steps I'm going to take to try and get here. Obviously, something may happen along the way that makes me have to adjust, but then you just reroute, just like how Google Maps does. Like, if you're driving and you take a wrong turn, then it's like, okay, I'm going to reroute you. We're going to go a different way, but either way, you're still going to get to the same destination. That's incredible. You're <laughs> seriously so motivating. I am going to book a flight after this. <laughs> yep, we're going to look up flights. Google flights, here we come. <laughs> here we go. So you have a podcast of your own. Yes. Whitewashed. Yes. What was the idea behind it? Why did you start it? So I was in Georgia like a year and a half ago. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the podcast Small Doses it's by Amanda Seals. I was listening to her podcast and talk about stuff. And I talk a lot. And I've heard a lot of people say like, oh my gosh, like I'd love to hear about your experiences and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, sounds fun. Like listening to this girl, Amanda Seals podcast, I'm like, I'm inspired to start my own podcast. And she wrote a podcast about her experience growing up as a black woman. And I'm obviously a black woman, but I'm also mixed. And I also grew up in Utah. And that's a very different experience than being a black woman and growing up in like, let's say Georgia. So 
I wanted to make a podcast where I could talk about whatever I wanted, but I knew I wanted the first episode to be about growing up mixed because that's kind of where I got the name whitewashed from is because I was always referred to as whitewashed growing up just because I grew up in a predominantly white community and people say that you're whitewashed if you talk proper, if like, I don't know, you carry yourself a certain way. And my dad says it's really derogatory. I also agree it's derogatory, but I knew it was going to give like that. And it's like, oh, what is she talking about? What do you mean whitewashed? So that's kind of where the idea came from. When I came across it, it had more meaning. And I knew it did. Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't name something derogatory yeah. unless it had. <laughs> yeah, unless it had a greater meaning, yeah. And it does. It does to you. Mm-hmm. It does to growing up in Utah. Yeah, a lot of people I grew up in Utah that are from a different culture. And we talked about yeah. this today. I mean, my parents are Colombian. We have very different t- traditions. We ha- we eat very different food. Mm-hmm. I remember in elementary school... Um, we, we eat a lot of, um, like, potent, not potent yeah. smelling, but, like, strong smelling mm-hmm. food in um, the Colombian culture. And every time I'd be scared to open my lunch because, like, yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, yeah. oh, that kind of stinks. Yeah. But it's now I'm like, I'll proudly. Like, I don't care if it smells bad, it tastes good. So. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever. But just things like that where, obviously, it's sad when you're going through it. And then mm-hmm. looking back, you're like, geez, that was really screwed up yeah it was screwed up but I feel like it's also really defining like I'm not gonna sit here and complain like oh I grew up in Utah my life sucks because I really do feel like it's given me the skills to adapt in any setting like I can walk into a room full of white people and I would not feel uncomfortable and I know that there's a lot of minorities that if they walked into a room full of white people they would feel uncomfortable being the only one and they wouldn't know how to act but on the other hand I can also walk into a room full of black people and feel completely comfortable as well and so I really feel like it's just opened up a lot of opportunities for me because I know how to connect with like all types of people like I'm like I I do talk very proper I'm not gonna say I talk white because I don't think that white people talk in any certain way there's just totally so many different dialects across like the country or even across like the world mm-hmm. um but I do think how I talk does benefit me in a lot of ways especially in a place like Atlanta like I've heard a lot of people go oh if you're a well-spoken like black woman you can go far and yeah, so I feel like it's it's benefited me. Like, obviously, it's had its child, but I feel like, ultimately, it has benefited me more than it's hurt me. Would you say you're a confident person? Yes, <laughs> but I don't want to say that, like, I'm cocky. I just, I'm really, really good at not comparing myself to other people because what you have is for you, and that's so great, and what I have is for me, and that's also great. And, like, that's something I feel like a lot of people really do struggle with, like, comparison and comparing themselves to other people, and that's something I've never really struggled with. Um, like I said, I'm not cocky at all, but I, I'm just confident in, like, who I am and, like, what I can do, and that goes way beyond, like, looks. Like, I feel like a lot of people hear about think about confidence and like oh like she's confident how she looks like for me that's not it at all it's like how I carry myself um my education just my personality in general like I'm just a very confident person like whenever I hear people describe me they usually say confident which is weird though because before like before this year I probably didn't even really think of myself as confident like that's not a word I would use to describe myself Mm -hmm. but that's a word that like I commonly heard people use to describe me so then I was like oh I guess I just carry myself with confidence And you just believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. Everything that you do in your life, and one thing I've noticed, you're very passionate about 
everything you do, whether it's mm-hmm. the podcast, whether it's jewelry. She makes jewelry, by the way. <laughs> There's nothing you can't do. You do school, and you're not only majoring, you're triple majoring. Mm-hmm. And you, every aspect of your life, you know you can accomplish these things. And so confidence isn't just about looks. It's about mm-hmm. being confident in the things you do, the things that you present, the things that you do day to day. Yep. Now, I want to kind of flip the switch. You're a big advocate for mental health. Yeah. Just because you struggle with mental health doesn't mean that you are not con- Like, the two, I feel like, are affiliated. They are affiliated because I do feel like a lot of people that struggle with mental health do lack confidence. But personally, my mental health struggles go way beyond, like, my confidence. Like, I'm a very confident person like I'm very confident in myself but I still struggle with mental health partly because of like the chemical imbalance in my brain that causes depression and the other part is because of just like I did grow up like around some like traumatic events which really did um have an impact which is why um I think I have borderline well I know I have borderline but I think it was those events that like created the borderline in me but that doesn't mean I'm like not confident in myself it's just that there's certain situations that I do lack confidence in I think I'm a confident person but I honestly feel like everybody has one area in life where they struggle. Some people, they really struggle in their career. Some people, they really struggle with their love life. Some people really struggle with their family. For me, it's my love life. Like, that is where I lack a lot of confidence and I get really insecure. Like, I have a very anxious attachment style. I don't know if you know about attachment styles. I don't, but I know that you and I are very similar in the aspect of once we like someone, we really, we really like, like them. someone. Yeah, and it's hard to get over them mm-hmm. once you like, yeah. Um, you should actually look up attachment styles. Everybody should. You'll learn more about yourself. But through, like, discovering my attachment style, I realized, like, oh, I have an insecure attachment style. Anxious attachment is an insecure attachment. So I take the steps to actively become more confident and more secure in my attachment. But just because I struggle, like, with mental health and in those areas doesn't mean I'm not confident. Like, I'm very, I'm confident enough that I can talk about it openly and not be worried about what other people think about me talking about it openly, if that makes sense. It's kind of a weird dynamic. No, it does make sense, but I, that's what I was saying is that people automatically associate if you're confident, you don't have Mm -hmm. any mental health issues. You know what? Everyone has mental health issues. everybody does you don't believe you do, then I encourage you to check yourself. <laughs> to do some self-work, because <laughs> you do. <laughs> but I, and you, we've openly talked about that. When yeah. we like someone, we overly like that overly person. Like and it's a quick, like, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's, I've learned through therapy that, like, usually that's a trauma response. Like, everybody has their own traumas in their life, and usually when you attach to people quickly, it's a trauma response, and you also have a hard time letting them go. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're very sensitive to rejection, and I, we talked about this earlier, I'm very, like, extremely sensitive to rejection, and a lot of people wouldn't look at me and be like, oh, I bet she's, like, sensitive to rejection, but she gets rejected a lot. It's like, no, I'm very sensitive to rejection. Like, I don't like to put myself in positions where I think I might get rejected, which is where my need for control comes in. I'm a very, contr- like, not controlling to it's like, oh, you can't go do that, like, if we're together, but, like, I just want to know the outcome for every situation. I want to know what the other person's thinking, and the more I go through life, the more I'm realizing that, like, my need for control is causing me more hurt than it's helping, and I feel like when I was younger, it helped me more than it hurt me, but now I'm getting to a point in life where it's, like, my ego wants to control every situation. I want every situation to be how I want it to be, but that's not how life works, and that's not how, how life should work. And when you give up your need for control, 
you're just open to so many new opportunities and experiences and you're open to what other people have to offer you without forcing what you want them to give you onto Mm -hmm. them. I don't know if that makes sense. It, to me, it sounds like in every aspect, you just want to be in control. Yeah. And you can't, like... <laughs> you can't, you, yeah. You literally cannot control every aspect, and if you try to control every aspect, it'll eat you alive. It'll eat you alive. And, like, obviously, there's some areas in life, and there's some things that you can control, but you just have to give up needing to control everything. Like, that's what I've tried to start doing. Like, if I'm like, okay, I've done what I can do in this situation. I no longer have control over what happens. So whatever happens is what's meant to be. And that has been helping me so much lately. Like, obviously, I still get upset about stuff, but it's not as bad. And, like, we talked about this earlier as well, is I feel like everything happens for a reason. Even if you can't see it in the moment, you have to be able to reflect back on your life and be like, oh, my gosh, like, that moment, it sucked at the time, but I learned this from that or this came from that. Because I feel like there's always a silver lining to every negative thing that happens in your life. A thousand percent. Uh, we related, we had a kind of like a visual, it's life is this huge painting, like ginormous, mm-hmm. and we have tunnel vision when approaching specific situations. Your experiences create what you believe, but you also have to realize that other people have completely unique experiences that create what they believe. And there's a lot of situations where neither of you are right, you're just right for yourselves. But for the other person, you might be completely wrong. And we see that in politics a lot, where... I'm just going to use the political parties. I hate political parties, but that's its own thing. (laughs) Is the Democrats, they'll try and make policy for everybody, which they think is for the greater good. The Republicans, they'll try and make policy for everybody, which they think is for the greater good. But they can only appeal to such a small group of people because the United States population is so heterogeneous and the political parties are so homogeneous that it's hard for them to be able... It'd be Honestly, it's impossible to create a policy that's going to benefit everybody. You just have to try and find what's going to benefit the most people with the least amount of work. But, yeah, I just don't think, like, that's why I also hate, like, the incivility in politics is because just because something benefits you doesn't mean it benefits the person next door. And just because they have a different belief than you doesn't mean they're a bad person. Everybody is going to pursue what's in their own self-interest. And sometimes your self-interest conflict. But like I said, that doesn't mean that either of you are bad people. It just means that you have a competing interest. My mom always uses this term that everyone is like your hand. No five fingers are the same. Wow, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> I loved it. She she said it when I graduated high school. So I have two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. So it's me and then Daniel and Sebastian. And they are 11 months apart. But looking at all three of us, we are polar opposites. Opposite. Yeah. Like totally in different directions. The mindset, the mentality, what we want to pursue in the future – And my parents, thankfully, have been able to navigate that Mm -hmm. in all directions. And someone sat her down and was like, Sylvia, how the hell do you do it? And she goes, my kids are like my hand. None of them are the The same. same. Yeah, nobody is the same. And, like, that's, like, the craziest thing about life is, like, you could literally, like, obviously you have siblings, I have siblings, and we grew up in the same household, but we're still completely different because there's no way we could have the exact same experiences. I said this on my live last week. We only are a part of their life. Mm-hmm. They have yes. an entirely different <laughs> life. Like, the second they walk out that door. It's a completely different life. But isn't that weird? I feel like my sisters are just supporting characters in my life, but I realize that they're the main character in their own lives. Yes! And you're like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm what? the main character. I'm the main character. You guys are just the supporting characters. You don't have a life and I'm not around. But I'm like, no, they literally have their own life and experiences that they go through every day. And that brings me to, like, something else I've been really into lately 
is just how synchronized the entire universe is. Like, just because you don't know somebody doesn't mean their actions aren't going to impact you, like the butterfly effect. Like, it's so crazy to think how every single thing you do or every single action you take impacts, like, basically everybody around you. Like, if that person didn't go there at that time and you didn't go there at that time, you guys would have never met and your lives would have been completely different. But it wasn't just you going there. That person also had to get there. So it just shows, like, how interconnected the world is. And I've been so into that lately. I don't know why. But I love the interconnectedness of the world because, I don't know, I just think it shows, like, how we are such, like, a small part of a bigger whole. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this in relations to COVID, and obviously COVID has been such a tragic thing. Such a tragic thing. It has taken so many lives. It's changed so many people's lives for the worst or for the better. Mm-hmm. But how many things have we been presented with because of COVID? A lot. And like, like I said, I don't want to take away from anybody's experiences because I'm fortunate enough that like I didn't have a family member get affected by COVID or like pass away from COVID, but I know a lot of people have. But I do think a positive effect of COVID is it made the world slow down. And it made the world slow down for a while because when you think about it, especially in America, capitalism is a economic system that is like so based on productivity and go 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 and how can you be the most productive and how can you work the most amount of hours and get the most amount of output but with covid it made people take a step back and be like oh maybe there's more to life than driving to work every day working a nine to five trying to be as productive as i can like i can take a step back and i can work from home and i can do less and i can be with my family and like i said i think that is a positive aspect of it because i think when you look at the world it's changed so much and i think that covid really changed how we're going to function moving forward. I honestly don't see us going back to a work environment where everybody is working a nine to five in the office. I think that there's going to be a lot more adaptability and like people working from home and people being able to do all these things because really we've been like conditioned like cattle to like follow this routine and stay with this routine. And I feel like now people's eyes are being opened to like, oh, maybe how we were doing things wasn't the best way. And it's just an adjustment in everything we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10 years from now, this is kind of a stupid analogy, but sunscreen, 40 years ago. How many True. times did our parents <laughs> bake themselves in baby oil yep. and then go sit outside? And now they're like, well, shit. My skin is turning <laughs> brown, brown and it's not the pretty it's kind. It's not the pretty and it's wrinkly. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's wrinkly. Yes. Now we're looking back and we're like, idiot. Why mm-hmm. did you not put on sunscreen? Yeah. And just things like that, that we're probably doing tons of thousands of things wrong now that in 30 years we're going to look back and... Like, oh, why are we doing that? You know what I think about when you say that? It's technology. Like, we, like technology's so new in, like, the grand scheme of the world that we really don't know, like, the side effects or, like, of being on, staring at a screen for 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy to me as I'm like, dang, we could all be blind in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have phones when we were in middle school, high yeah. school, elementary school. And I look at my sisters now and I'm like, they're like um, 10, 11. And I'm like, they're literally like already on FaceTime all the time, like playing their games on TikTok. And I'm like, it's just such a crazy world. Like I'm almost scared for them because I see, like I said, a lot of people do compare themselves on social media and people are also really rude on social media. People get bold behind a screen for no reason. And like, I'm just worried about like the younger generation and like being bullied on the internet because it's just so easy to say whatever you want when like you're not face to face with somebody and you don't know them or their life. A thousand percent. And, and this is something kind of stupid, but 
also how much the younger generation has matured, mm -hmm. like so, physically, so quickly, <laughs> physically matured. I'm like, you're freaking 13 years old. I yeah. looked like a butt when I was 13. Like I looked so ugly, like braces, yellow teeth, like really bad acne. Yeah. And now I'm like, there is no way that you were 13 years old. It also makes you wonder how many mental effects it has of grow physically growing up mm -hmm. so old. And I'm sure that you can speak for this, but even when men hit on you and they're, they think that you're like 25 and you're like, no, I'm literally 19, yeah, 20. I've always looked old for my age. And so I feel like I always had that problem. Like when I first went to college, I was 17 and like a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, like, are you a senior? And I'm like, no, like I'm literally 17. And I feel like it does have like some negative consequences, especially for people who are younger, like 14, 15, and they have older men, like hitting on them mm -hmm. but what I think is also really weird about society and I'm this is not me defending pedophilia or anything like that but it's just crazy to me how like 20 to 25 doesn't seem like that big of an age difference 15 to 20 seems like the biggest age difference and it's just because you're in such a different place in life when you're 15 versus when you're 20 but when you're 20 and 25 you're like eh you kind of are around the same things like maybe in school maybe just barely starting your career mm -hmm. so I think it's just crazy how like when you're younger, the experiences you have are just so vastly different from the experiences you have once you turn 18. Well, if you think about it, anywhere from zero to about 18, those first couple of years is really when you define yourself, mm -hmm. is really when someone else defines Finds yourself. You. <laughs> yeah. Your parents are defining you the second that you turn 18. And this is very different. I come from a Hispanic household where you don't move out at 18, but I <laughs> yeah. did. I did anyway. And so you take everything that you were taught from 18 years and then you try to untangle it and say, this I will continue to preach and then this I'm going to leave. Yeah. I I agree with that. And like I feel like that's why you change so much in between 20 and 30. And my parents have always preached this to me. This might be my I'm so against young marriage. Is that you change so much. Like if you get married when you're young, you are not the same person when you're 20 as when you're 30. And that's why I feel like a lot of people that get married young get divorced because they change so much in those years because when you're 20 you're still figuring yourself out like I know that I do not even know half of myself yet like I'm still figuring myself out and like we talked about this earlier too um just being single and like finding yourself and like figuring yourself out first before you add somebody else into the mix because once you're in a serious relationship and you have somebody else there when you're making decisions you're making decisions for the both of you you're not just making decisions for yourself and you have to be aware of what the other person wants and needs versus just going after what you want and need and like defining yourself without another person defining you absolutely and you and I have grown up in Utah where you get married at 19 she's like cringe <laughs> 19 years old sorry yeah no you're fine you get married at 19 years old and you have kids by 21 mm -hmm. and I don't want to like sit here and knock people that do that because I do feel like that is a life plan for some people some people genuinely want to be a wife and genuinely want to have kids and they're completely happy living a life like that and that's so like I said it's so great for them but I do feel like there's a lot more out there if you just wait well, like, and don't settle for, like, the first person that wants to marry you. Wait till you find the person that, like, sets your soul on fire and wait till you found yourself because then you can really find somebody that's compatible with your true, authentic self versus just who you think you are at the moment. A thousand percent. And another thing is that 
if you have not fully finished figuring out who you are, it's going to be that much harder to figure it out. Mm-hmm. With another person there. Because yeah. you, when you're with someone, you tend to morph into yeah. that person. You start to emulate who they are. Yeah, you exactly. guys become like very like similar, like the same person. You'll start saying the same things, acting the same way, having the same interests, just because you spend a lot of time together. So if you are trying to, if you're living this life with someone, then how can you figure out yourself? And yeah. there's... There's, there's some people some, that do it. Yeah. yeah. And there's some people that marry young and are successful. Yeah. And have this lovely life with 10 kids. And that was a lot. But, like, <laughs> I mean, what with kids and, like, are yeah. happy with themselves. Yeah. But I do feel like a lot of older people that I've talked to, they one of the biggest regrets they have is, like, oh, I wish I would have spent more time being single. Or I wish I would have done more for myself. And, like... Once you commit to something like marriage, like, I don't want to get divorced. So when I commit to somebody, I want to make sure that, like, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for it to be us, not me, us. And I just worry that a lot of people, when they get married young, they think that they're ready for an us. And then later down the line, they're like, wait, I want to explore me. But then they're in a relationship and it's like, okay, I can't just leave my marriage or I can't just go do these things that I want to do because I have to think for my family. And that's something that I saw my mom struggle with. Like, my mom had me when she was 20. Which is literally my age. I'm like, I can't even imagine having a kid right now. No. Yeah, and she got married at 21, and I feel like that's something that I've seen her struggle with over the past couple of years, is she's like, dang, like, I never got to experience life. Like, I basically had a kid when everybody was just starting to, like, go out and have fun, and, like, I just didn't get to find me before I, like, got married. And so, like, like, I think that's part of the reason why I'm just so pro, like, being single for a while and, like, so anti, like, young marriage is just because I've seen how it's impacted other people, and I don't want that to happen. Like, I want to discover myself and, like, figure out what I like, and then when somebody comes along and fits into my life and what I have going, then that's great. But I don't want to have to change my life or change my plans to accommodate somebody else right now. Or another perspective is 20 years, you're down the line, and you're not happy. You're not happy. I feel like that's how a lot of people are. I don't think they're happy. I just think that they're used to each other. And they're just like, well, I don't want to have to be single. I don't want to have to try something new. So I guess I'll just stay with you. But they're not, like, as in love. Like, I want that love that lasts forever. Like, you're 60 years old and you see each other. You still get butterflies. You still love each other. Like, just a passionate. Yeah, just a passionate love that never dies out. And I feel like when you've been with somebody for so long and you've changed so much, you're just like, dang, were we even compatible anymore? Like, do I even know the person sleeping next to me? No, I know the person that they were 20 years ago, but I don't know who they are now. Well, and this is not to condone cheating or anything, but that's when... Yeah, I feel like that's why a lot of people do step out of their marriages. But I also... Okay, this is me being completely and totally honest. I kind of cheated on my ex-boyfriend. And through that experience, I realized that, like, obviously I always knew cheating has more to do with the individual than, like, the person being cheated on. But I truly feel like when you're not happy with yourself, you seek anything that can make you happy. Like, I was in such a dark place. This is not to, like, make an excuse because I don't think cheating is excusable. But I was looking to my ex-boyfriend to make me happy. And when he wasn't making me happy and I found somebody else, I was like, oh, this person could potentially make me happy. I went for that. Instead of just, like, being happy within myself. Because neither of them can make me happy. I thought they could, but neither of them could. And I feel like that's why also a lot of people cheat, is they're just looking for anything to make them happy instead of finding it within themselves. That was, like, perfectly spoken. Yeah. I feel like when I tell people that, it makes sense to them. They're like, oh, that actually makes sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It really does. Obviously, it, it sucks for the person being cheated on. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's nothing that... Because people... 
are very selfish and they're mm-hmm. like, what did I do? What's wrong with me? And it's like, yeah. no, 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 it's not, it's not you. It's not about you. It's literally like, yeah, let's focus me. on me. Yeah. And like, I tried to explain that to him because I was like, it's nothing with you. You can, he's like, what could I have done differently? Like, you couldn't have done anything differently. Like I was just in such a bad place that like I wanted to feel any sort of happiness. And if I thought that person could give it to me, then like, that's what I was going to do. Like, and that's a selfish mindset to be in. But when you're really hurting, it's like, you'll do anything to like not be hurting. Well, and it goes back to not being, not wanting to be rejected mm-hmm. and more so being so happy with the validation that comes with yeah, it. Yeah, that comes with it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you are so well-spoken and you Thank talk you. about all of your experiences and share your experiences for others. And I Thanks. could not have been more honored to have <laughs> you on the podcast to have you share your experiences. Thank you. Wait, I have to plug you real quick. You guys. Gabby, I just met her. I'm seriously in love with her. Like, first off, she's a phenomenal interviewer, but more than that, she's, like, a phenomenal person, and I've had conversations with people, and I feel like they're just trying to get, like, any information that they can use out of me. Like, I genuinely feel like I had a great night with her. Like, it was the best night ever. We had dinner. She's so cute. She asked the best questions, and she genuinely is somebody that's interested in getting to know you as a person and, like, getting to know, like, your story, and I just want to say I really admire you for that, and I think you're doing an amazing job with your podcast, and you're so cute, and you're going to go really far in the world. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was literally the nicest thing. Yeah, I, like, you. have to finish this off in tears, but where can people find you if they want to reach out and be like... <laughs> Um, Awaken us. You can find me on Instagram. <laughs> Plug myself at Darian DeBrule. My name's kind of hard to spell. D A R I E N N E D E B R U L E. And like honestly, if anybody ever needs anything like mental health related, if they just want to chat, like I'm so down to talk to people. Like I'm willing to help anybody out with anything that they need. Um, you can listen to my podcast. I only have one episode up right now, but it's about mental health. It's really good to listen to if you're struggling with your mental health. It's called Whitewash. It's on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And that's really it. If you see me on the street, say hi. <laughs> she literally has the cutest outfits, always on <laughs> point. But thank you. Yeah, thank, no, thank you. Thank <laughs> you.